when I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up. And now I'm a filmmaker and a writer. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Camille Shushani. Camille is an Iranian-American writer and director. In 2018, she shot, wrote, and directed Leia and I, her first documentary feature. She received her bachelor's degree from the University of Southern California in film studies and is currently completing her MFA in creative nonfiction writing at Columbia University, where she is writing a book of essays on her family and the Persian Jewish community in Los Angeles. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Camille. Hey. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we always like to start with a round of what we call current curiosities. Sure. So something that's kind of gotten you thinking, sparked your curiosity. For me, I recently saw the movie Bombshell that just came out. Mm -hmm. And I was a little conflicted going in because I really disagree with the politics of some of the people the movie glorifies or celebrates. But I actually thought that made for a more interesting movie because if you go into it and they're celebrating these patron patron saints, then it's kind of not very conflicting as a viewer. It's not that interesting. But for me, it was fascinating because it's like, I don't, I don't watch Megyn Kelly or Gretchen Carlson. So I didn't come in on their side, but it was interesting. By the end, you realize the issue being covered, which was the women at Fox who were sexually harassed. That is a... I guess a nonpartisan issue is the right way. Like it's a it's a universally disturbing issue. And so I think it got me thinking about like not just empathizing with people who you might disagree with politically, but just there are certain issues that kind of transcend political differences. And that got me thinking like I don't have to, you know, necessarily agree with this person's beliefs. I don't need to tune into them, but I can understand when something that was done to them was wrong or if they were wronged in a way. And it just, it got me, it got me thinking about that uh, more than I had expected. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see it, honestly. Yeah. My current curiosity, I guess, is, it might be more than a curiosity at this point, but basically somewhere over the summer, I started getting really interested in like climate crisis, kind of just climate issues and sort of because of something I was writing which just as a fiction piece I was writing that it just kind of was coming to me more and more. And then I ended up in a situation where I was introduced to this group called Extinction Rebellion, which is basically a um, nonviolent direct action activist group that started in London that is like using civil disobedience to basically petition the government to have zero emissions by 2025 amongst some other demands. And for me, hearing about this, it was one of the most incredible, really, talks that I've ever been to about climate change because it really quite simply laid out the current situation, which we all kind of know, I think, in in a lot of ways. We know all the issues that are happening. We understand how greenhouse gases work, but kind of hearing it all in order all at once was incredibly overwhelming and very sad, but also a really profound relief for me to really be around people who are actually treating this like it was true and then treating it like it was real. Uh, how would you act, right, if you were in a, an actual emergency? These people are acting like they're in an emergency. And this was really 
calming for me and I started um yeah I just started getting a little bit more involved very slowly because it's me but I was like very 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 curious about this organization and I really really love the way that they work they're decentralized and they're really about action in a way that is kind of amazing so yeah I kind of have been tiptoeing my way around starting to give this talk actually to people and like kind of facilitate an environment of exchange around these ideas because I think it's really important so like in New York basically where I live now I I just will I had people over in my living room and just like kind of people I already know and kind of give this talk to people and kind of really see how people react to the information because I think the emotional response to climate change is one of the most interesting things that I've observed in people it's like the way you numb out or or get overwhelmed or feel dread or despair I think these are all really interesting but I think there's real relief in actually talking about it and kind of seeing what we can do it's a real community in this which I think people are missing so it started in London but it's now spread you're saying yeah it's totally yeah. international yeah. it's wow. totally international and it's like pretty um it spread very quickly in London like in one year I think they were closing down all kinds of streets and bridges and in New York they're really pushing their way out there but it's it's difficult Americans don't like to protest really yeah, <laughs> yeah. not as much as Europeans no yeah. not as much as Europeans <laughs> yeah so yeah so Extinction Rebellion okay cool, yeah, I'll, have cool. To, I'll have to look into it yeah so I recently watched your documentary Leia and I mm -hmm. and I mean just as a as a fellow Persian Jew it was awesome to see somebody go out there and on this crazy adventure and do ayahuasca like yeah. I can't even imagine if I told my mom I'm hey mom I'm going on this retreat I'm trying ayahuasca like that that would be pretty crazy sure. um but let's let's start with the beginning where did you get the initial inspiration or the vision to get going on this adventure yeah well um I it was really like mo the whole movie was made really in tandem with Leia there was no part of this movie that was made without Leia no no frame of it that was like not either directly made with her or like directly inspired from a conversation I had just had with her. So it's, <laughs> it, and, and the, the sort of formation of the idea was really similar. We were in our senior year of college and we were, I was feeling like incredibly lost. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I felt very confused. I felt, I don't know. I felt really overwhelmed. And she though is very, she always knows exactly what she wants and it was we were we were sitting there we were talking and I kind of wanted to make this like a movie and she really wanted to talk about cystic fibrosis or at least like for the first time really because she never had spoken about it and we really wanted to travel like above all we were always going to travel and it was just a, a question of if we were kind of going to film it or not and if we were going to talk about cystic fibrosis or not these were the things and she kind of <laughs> we thought of it and it was so amazing and it's this feeling like when you think of it you're like oh my god and then the more that you think about the idea and your mind starts to like go down all the pathways of all the things that it can become it just becomes like kind of bigger and bigger in this moment you're like wow this could be amazing actually uh, we sat on it for a little and we were we had to graduate and so we graduate and then I basically freak out I'm like there's no way I can do this like there's no way there's no way I've never filmed anything in my life like I've never I mean, I, nothing long, no, not even close. I don't know how to do this. Like, I was afraid that I couldn't finish. I mean, most people start with a short film, you know? <laughs> like, this was, like, really a feature. It was going to be a Kickstarter. It was going to be really involved. I was really panicked. And one day, basically, she was like, either you have to decide now. Like, either we're going to do this or not. She's like, if you don't want to do it, we'll still travel. It's okay. Like, it really will be great. But I think we should do this. And I was like, kind of had a mini panic attack. And then was like, okay, let's go. And that was kind of how that happened. And going into it, did you know how long you'd be traveling or was that something that was mm. kind of fluid? 
the only thing that we really knew was how long we were traveling <laughs> and not even totally sure it was we were like we need we have this much money we need like three-ish months we think so we left in october and came back in january and that was pretty much the only thing that was very solid about that trip actually was the time and we was like well whatever happens in three months is what happens got it yeah. and did you have the funding secured before or you had some of it and got some of it after? Or how did that work? Yeah. So before we had a Kickstarter and we raised like $37,000 or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. And that was enough. We thought maybe we could even finish the movie with that much money. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but we, <laughs> it was enough to go on the trip and like start editing basically. Sure. So we went on the trip and then started editing. And then it was incredible. Actually, we had... We had this woman who she was um, she was her son also has CF. He was friends with Leia, like or not the son. She was friends with Leia and she owns a chain of yogurt shops across South America. And she was amazing and she was a really big help in the beginning. And she had never produced anything before, but she saw it and she was like, I really would like to do this. And so we asked her if she would produce the movie and she did. And so she gave us the rest of the funding for the movie, wow. which was incredible incredible luck so many things were like incredible luck on this but that was one of them i was like wow okay. e yeah even getting that original 37 and a half thousand yeah that, that's really impressive how were you yeah. how do you think you were able to pull that off i think that a lot of people love leia first of all i really think like a lot of people love her i think that the the kickstarter video really affected people honestly like i think like the initial video which was so much of the basis of how we actually ended up making the movie ooh, was just already it's it's a beautiful idea right like and people have like sympathy for people with illness and and there's a lot of things that are there that make it that people would want to donate to but i think yeah and she's so alive and that's so clear to anyone who knows her or really knows of her and i think that it spread really quickly and i think like a lot of adults were really moved by her everyone who she'd ever touched basically really was like wow okay and like felt compelled to to help they wanted i mean and i think they wanted to see the movie you know <laughs> i think they really were like I, mean, I would i would be down to watch this like which was my feeling also i would be down to watch it even i don't know <laughs> anyway but yeah and going into it did you know did you have kind of an idea of your destinations or kind of a any kind of narrative structure or is that something that evolved as you went along Mm, yeah we were aware we were starting in mexico and at some point we needed to go to peru we we're like we need to go to peru we knew we needed to do ayahuasca it was like pretty clear or at least she did and i, I wasn't sure if i was going to but uh, that was like the turn of the movie in a lot of ways but for a second we were in mexico we were like oh just continue on let's go to guatemala like fuck it if we had infinite time i think we would have taken our sweet time getting to peru we were having such a good time in mexico actually and um but yeah that was the only thing we really knew but we had no idea who we were going to meet or how we were going to do any of this stuff you know it was very kind of play as you go game time decision making pretty much on everything but except for that at some point we need to go to peru and i remember at one point we were in mexico and i was like oh we could just go on a we're going to go like mushroom foraging in Guatemala. Like that was the idea. And we're like, just drive down the coast. And I was like, honestly, like looking at this timeline, I think we need to go to Peru now. <laughs> it's like, so that was why we ended up going. But yeah. So how did you prepare for a trip that had so much uncertainty? You just prepare the best that you can. You know, I, I really was like, I studied the, the, 
what did we even study? I just learned how to use the camera basically as best as I could and learned, learned how to use the film, the sound equipment, which is really an underrated thing that you really need to know how to do for a documentary. Um, just kind of like learned the best that we could knowing that anything could happen, even planned as best as we could knowing that it might change at any moment. So although, yeah, although we never really had to, I don't know. It was, it was just to be prepared. Like so much of the the feeling of the movie was just that whatever was going to happen was actually meant to happen, which is kind of the attitude you need to go in with, with this. Otherwise like it will just not work. And it, and there were times, you know, there were times where we were really freaking out that we weren't doing something cinematic enough or something, you know, you don't really know. But I was very calm for whatever reason. I was freaking out about everything else. And the one thing I was quite calm about was that everything that is happening is exactly as it's supposed to be, you know. So it was just very clear, like, just turn on the camera, basically, and hope for the best. That, that was all that it could be. I mean, by our poor editor, there was 128 hours of footage in the end, and it became like a one and a half hour movie you know so it was like a lot to sort through for both of us yeah so what did you physically take with you like because because you have to be kind of nimble and and if you watch the documentary you see you have this big backpack Mm -hmm. and carrying one or two other smaller bags yeah but you kind of have to take everything you need yeah it was um it taught me a life lesson really that you don't really actually need that much honestly it was like I had a yeah a backpack and she had a backpack and she had more stuff because she had all her pills and everything that she needed. But it was just like, you know, you have like one, two pairs of jeans, maybe even one, like two pairs of shorts, like whatever, just really basic things. And then the camera, which was just in a backpack that we had found that somehow was a camera backpack. We didn't want to make it look like a camera. We were afraid of getting robbed, like pretty intense. Or I was at least. <laughs> like, I was not afraid of being robbed, but I was just, I yeah. So it, that was all it was. It was just the backpack and then the camera backpack and like a mini one, like a mini purse for a pair for a passport or something. But yeah, that was it. Did you ever worry like, what if I need an SD card and I'm in the middle of Guatemala? Yeah. Like, what do I do? Well, the thing that we really prepared for was the camera. Yeah. We were really aware, very aware that we wanted something that was. You know, it was like we were making a choice between the C100 and then the the Canon, what is it, 5D or whatever. The 5D is a more yeah. beautiful camera in a lot of ways. Like the way that it shoots is, I think it's like one of the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful images you can see. Everything feels like hyper real and the colors are gorgeous and it really does a lot of work for you without you having to do much. But it's not really a documentary camera. It doesn't come with the right um, like inserts for sound and also it it doesn't have a lot of battery life in it and it's like not amazing for filming video for a long period of time. And so the camera that we had was amazing because it was exactly for this. You could have two, you know, two 500 gigabyte, you know, SD cards in there at the same time. Like you were going to take a long time before you needed to download footage. You know, it was going to, it was, and the camera battery would last for 20 hours, you know? So it was, it was the kind of thing where we knew. So we, when you're going to be in the jungle for a week and like yeah. the way that you're going to charge stuff is like not going to be normal. It was like we needed, you know, a camera that was going it was made for this. You know, And in a lot of ways, that camera was really made for the laziest people alive, which is me, basically. <laughs> Leia is not even lazy, just me. Just like I, you know, so it was it was good for this. We didn't need much. You just needed like sound equipment. And uh, even that was pretty, pretty uh small and just worked out really really well um but those were the those are the things you probably have to prepare for really yeah just be smart about this but otherwise yeah and most of it from what i could tell was shot handheld right yeah 
how did you become good at shooting handle? That's kind of a tough skill. Uh, I wasn't, but it was like, <laughs> it was like at first I had a little pole that I, that was like a unipod is okay. what it's called. Sure. That it would just stick to the bottom and I would just turn it. Then I lost that. And then I, we bought another tripod or something in, on the way, but it just, I hated using a tripod. It was not, uh, it needed to move more because I was the yeah. only camera person. You can't, it's not like you can have just the camera trained on right. one person the whole time. Like there's not another one. So yeah, I don't know. I just really learned to lean my, <laughs> my hand or my elbow appropriately on my leg such that it would just not move anymore. But it was hard. It was really hard. Um, beyond like just being handheld which is kind of i kind of was okay with because it was a little bit the style of the movie anyway was to be quite handheld yeah but um it was just you get really good at focusing really fast you get really good i mean you can tell if you watch the movie i think that my filmmaking gets better as you go through <laughs> very clearly you yeah. can tell <laughs> that i learned to use the camera on the way that it goes through so it, you know it was a bit of a you just kind of eventually when you're filming everything all the time, you get better at making sure that you're getting everything all the time. So. And did you find people were generally pretty comfortable being on camera or did you have some resistance at all? People were shockingly, shockingly happy to be on camera. Awesome. Which I don't know if this is the, the real kindness of Mexican and Peruvian people. I really don't know because in the U.S., people are nowhere near nope. as comfortable being on camera. Really, it's it's very difficult. Yeah. The only person who didn't want to be on camera was an American dude we met in the ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> you know, like uh, the shaman was like, "Sure, film the ceremony." It was like really, it was kind of funny. Honestly, it was like the only person that was uncomfortable was the American dude, and it was really. And I think, I mean, to be fair, I think Leia and I are not exactly the most intimidating people walking around. You know, sure. I. It's like you have two uh, uh, the appearance is like two half women like trying to <laughs> shoot something like basically fucking up the whole time they're setting up the camera it's kind right. of not super intimidating so it were i mean it's and in no universe they think this was going to end up on netflix you know what i'm saying like it was like we were like hey it's like halfway seemed like a school project to everyone yeah. so it was kind of <laughs> you know, low stakes, but Leia would come out actually after every single person, she would come out and have them sign a release form every single time, every, every place that we were at, every single person in that movie, all the shamans, all the people we met sign release forms. Yeah. I noticed at the end when you're listing, you know, people who appeared, you actually got, cause I, I imagine all these shamans go by their first names, they have nicknames or whatever, but you got like their full legal yeah. names. Julian Carrillo. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, they didn't know. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so you said you didn't actually expect it to end up on Netflix. How did it end up on Netflix? I mean, dude, one of a series of crazy lucky events that this movie was built on. Honestly, I have yeah. no idea. It was like we were we finished the movie in August. The whole thing took a year. So like from we, we started in August of 2017. And basically at that time, we just went to Leia's house in Belgium or her aunt's house in Belgium. And just like for a month, just like thought about what we were going to do and all this all the pre-production left in october came back in january and then basically edited from january to august which was one of the most kamikaze fucking situations i've ever done in my life that was intense and then we were in we were in um it was august we finished the movie and the day we finished the movie we had a screening for the movie of all the kickstarter backers and like our family and friends who had endured this process with us basically and that night, one of the people who was there was one of Leia's family friends who happened to work in acquisitions, at, international acquisitions at Warner Brothers. And he really loved the movie. 
and he was like i think i can show this to netflix like i think i can sell this to netflix i'm like okay you know like, there's no you know you're like especially in hollywood i feel like there was just yeah. so much false promising happening all the time and i was just like okay who are you i have no idea who this man is you know mark yeah. mark garitone thank you <laughs> wherever you are he's such a nice man actually and then I went, I moved to New York like two days after we finished the movie and basically kind of almost just kind of had to let go of it really intensely. And then somewhere in November, he's like, I actually like now where I have the meeting, I'm going to show it to Warner Brothers first. So he shows it to Warner Brothers. They all love it. He's like, okay, shows it again to Warner Brothers, another team. They all love it. He's like, okay, we're going to show it to Netflix now. So it's just Netflix. And basically a year to the day, actually, after we left the ayahuasca retreat, they bought the movie. The exact year after, which was crazy. So yeah, somewhere in December, they bought the movie and then it took, or they just were like, we are buying the movie. And then it yeah. took a long time to deliver everything because sure. usually this involves a whole production company and instead it's just me and Leia as per always, basically. And then, um, yes. And then they just were like, and it's coming out July 23rd. And we were like, okay. And they're like, just kidding. It's coming out August 2nd. We're like, Okay. <laughs> you're like on vacation i don't know it was it was a bit it was very hectic it was very hectic yeah. i think most people are obviously also working all the time and i was in graduate school and i was living in paris and it was really crazy but it was amazing so that's how it ended up on netflix what did it feel like to get the call that netflix wants to buy this i felt crazy I was <laughs> you know it feels like um it was like beyond the fact where like in a future kind of way you're like whoa like there's something very solid about my future or something or like even forget even even that or like there's something like someone even acknowledged that they like this movie there's like a certain kind of validation in that which is great and fine it was more really the thing that was crazy was that we had it was like we had made this movie on such in such a small private but like very with a lot of integrity you know like we had made it really really like trying our best to be so honest to our emotions and honest to each other and it was so intense and difficult and beautiful and profound and and real and and magical honestly it was a very magical experience and to have it kind of blow up like that less felt like you know anything about us and more was just like okay this is it was like this is as magic as we thought you know it must be because otherwise this is just you know this is some, there's angels looking out for this. They just need people to watch yeah. it. It has nothing to do with us on some level. And it was, that was really, really beautiful. And like such a confirmation of like how an artistic process also works. Like there was, I had such fear, I think, before I made this movie that like, if you were true to yourself, that it would never be sold. Like no one would ever be able to watch it. That the industry was so convoluted and so um, toxic that it, there's no way to actually have true expression in film, really. That everything was going to be sort of killed by these huge industries that just wanted some kind of star wars 18 you know what i'm saying i don't know and i i, I this is just this is, and the truth is it's just actually not in my wheelhouse to really write for someone else or really write anything just purely entertaining i have no idea how to do this even if i wanted to i'm not sure i could and i think that was really reassuring for me it was like wow actually like it's possible in this life to make work that really matters to you and is really personal and is so authentic and small and is the true expression of just a few people and this can this can be broadcast 
in that kind of way. That was really, and I mean, unique also to now in a lot of ways. I don't think that's that's necessarily something that's always been the case. And also as two young women, you know, like young also, we, we were like 23 when we made this. Like, and that is, I mean, just to have young people's voices be able to be so loud also is so important, I think. And now I'm not even that much older. I'm 25. But it's like looking back, I'm like, all I want is to be talking to younger people. All I want is younger people to feel like they are able to say more and do more. It's so important, I think. And um, that was really so, so all of these feelings were coming to me when we when we find out that it's on Netflix. It's like just a confirmation of something like very deep. You're like, if you follow actually the truth and like what is real to you and what you care about, like there is actually, I didn't need exterior reward for it, but there is a way that this can become amplified. Like, yeah. you know. I'm so grateful that, that Netflix amplified this story because it, it really deserves to be told. Thank you. And it was so so awesome to watch. So special. Mm. Did did you find that they uh did they give you any notes basically? No. Or, no. Nothing. Wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Less because I think they were like I don't know. I, I think they just don't really care. They're like, yeah. well, it's just, you know, they're like content, content yeah. you know. But sure. I mean wonderful, but Yeah. Yeah, for us it was very Yeah, just put it on, put it on. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. One of the things that I think complements your cinematography so well is your narration and your mm. writing and i think a lot of people might overlook that when they're um when they're thinking about documentaries people don't always think like there was screenwriting behind this and there, there isn't always but in many there are like in this one and how did you go about sitting down to write the narration were you doing it as you went along on the trip or did you do it afterward or a bit of both yeah i think there's two to get to the narration there's the writing that happens which is really just the storytelling which I think somewhat was happening while we were on the trip. I was aware of certain things like when we were in the, you know, there's the part where we're in the Weechol village and it doesn't work out that Leia gets healed. And at the time it was like, you know, there's a first second where you're like, oh my God, this is terrible for the narrative. You know, like, he's like, well, we didn't even get to try, you know, but then you're like, actually, this is a narrative, right? And you, that moment of realization happened obviously on the trip. Um, that that's so important to the story actually that doesn't quite work the first time we try it obviously the second day we're on this trip you know that was one thing and then in the editing also you basically get that with with our editor who's amazing his name's carter Feuerhelm. hire him he's incredible but basically he with him also there's like a certain kind of storytelling that's happening a certain kind of writing that's happening in the editing itself like what scenes are happening and where and how and who are we you know and then me and leia really got got together once we had um a cut that was like an hour and a half long and you just start filling in the blanks kind of and you're you you start you start finding like the right tonality for the for the voice um how much of me as a character was in this voice also how much in, there's a lot of information actually that needs to be told how do you do that without sounding just kind of boring and objective like how do you and for me also the performance of the voice which is kind of a whole genre honestly of itself kind of acting that I had never really done before I speak way too fast mostly of the time but um yeah so that was that was a very intense process actually and 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 difficult to get the right note of also talking about Leia without feeling like and this was very important for me throughout is like this relationship between author and subject, right? Like this is something that was very, we were very aware of from the beginning 
and very much consciously trying to like play with in an intense way right so not just that I'm looking at Leia right as a filmmaker and she's through the eye and she just is there but very much she's taking the camera and she does this literally in the movie taking the camera and turning it on me and that this is sort of part of that and I think we we were playing with that a little bit I'm not sure how completely it follows through in the movie but I think that was that was a big thing and with the narration to be conscious of this right just not make her into any kind of like idealized figure really and trying to make sure that she is she's as human as she is you know and, and that was yeah it was hard but it was good yeah i thought you did a great job throughout but especially right off the bat as you introduced her mm. you know that she's not this ordinary person she'll she'll smoke even though she has cystic fibrosis and yeah. i know she's since stopped but but I think you did a very good job of introducing her right off the bat. And then we were compelled as a viewer and we understood this person and we were invested in the journey right, right from the beginning. So I thought that was, mm. that was really cool how you did that. Thank you. And yeah, what was that like? Because you were both, you were the filmmaker. You were also kind of starring in it, right? Yeah. You were a character in it in your own <laughs> way. And also you were, uh, you were accompanying your friend. And I, and I know there were moments where it got tough. There's a moment I remember really well where Leia... You know, had kind of a heart to heart with you. And what was that like trying to juggle those responsibilities in the moment? Really hard. It was really hard. Um, on some level, I think it was really easy, right? Because it's it, there, there's a way where that was what we had always pictured, you know, and I think maybe many best friends like you you kind of have this feeling that like what we do together is so special. If only anyone could see this. Right. It's like. That is kind of the feeling that it, that the whole movie is based on, right? It's like, oh my God, this is so fucking funny and so crazy. And I think everyone has relationships, not, maybe not everyone, but many people have relationships like this with their friends where it's like, we could be in a TV show, ha ha ha, right? But like, uh, and this one was, we just really did that, right? We just went on a trip, like as we normally do. And we, you know, so many of the things is just, that is actually how we just normally act with each other. And now it was just being filmed. So in that way, it was very easy. Some of the things that I think maybe are really hard in normal documentaries were incredibly incredibly easy in this one so certain kinds of interviews like it was always really easy to just start talking to a camera and get really deep really fast this was never hard it was never hard to get really intimate really fast it was never you know these, these moments like the access that you have to each other is really unbelievable but it is difficult for me it was difficult to be the the camera all the time honestly it was it was it's a really intense position to put yourself in and already I am I have a natural tendency to watch and like just analyze constantly. That is like how my mind works. And I think that so on some level it suited me to always be behind camera and like thinking about what this looks like and what is the most interesting and how do I get that in that moment. But it's also a huge burden and plays on something I don't really want to do all the time, which is sit back and analyze everything as it's happening in front of me. You know, presence is so important to me, but also something I really had to cultivate in myself because I have such a tendency to watch and analyze you know and so that was really difficult and for Leia I think it was also difficult because she was being made subject so intensely also right there was always a camera in her face every single thing she was doing every single thing she was deciding and this was really intense and a lot of pressure on someone to like be incredible all the time and also we were just going through it also meanwhile it wasn't like this was a normal experience also it was an experience where we were basically going to unpack our deepest traumas like on camera and to each other also, which we were sort of comfortable with. But you don't really understand like at 23, like your concept of communication with another person is so like we built it there, you know, to understand that like when you're upset about something you talk about, like just really basic things, which 
you're not it, it takes a lot of love actually to to do appropriately you know to fight with someone actually takes a lot of love I think to really do that well and you need to do that sometimes and that was not something I really was trained to do as a in my family or like in my my normal being I never really wanted to be angry you know you, you don't but you kind of have to learn to do these things to be to work with your best friend honestly to work with anyone I think you kind of need to know and it's more entangled when it's someone you love that way and I think that that was that was what was maybe especially difficult about it but um it was like I mean the best lesson I could have ever ever learned you know so that was so therapeutic yeah I really enjoyed that <laughs> we're getting life lessons on the pod yeah. not just cinematography yeah so I'm wondering you know that this was a partnership with Leia and you and and you mentioned the your editor as well can you remind mm -hmm. me his name Carter Foyerhelm Carter right so what was that like when you three of you are editing so you, you said you have so much footage mm -hmm. how do you boil it down to an hour and a half well the way that it worked was we had so much footage i carter watched all of it which god bless him that man knows more about me and leia than probably anyone on this planet <laughs> uh, probably more than me and leia but basically he he watched it and i watched like most of it like there were certain things i just could not rewatch. i just was like i don't know the fight that's in the movie is what, like three minutes in the movie, an hour long in real life, you know? So you have to sort through an hour of footage to get there. And so for a lot of it, it was like I was watching the footage and I would tell Carter what scenes I liked, like in what order it should go. And he put it together also so like in and um, so kind of we let him go with the footage actually after just being like, this is the order. This is how it should flow. This scene, this scene, not this scene, this scene, blah, blah. And he handed us a three and a half hour cut at some <laughs> point. <laughs> and so we had a three and a half hour cut and then we watched that and it just became a matter of like picking things out. Like this is not the, like you kind of have this feeling when you watch it, you're like, is this the movie? You're like, no, this is not the movie. Not, this is not the movie. This is not the movie. This is almost the movie and you edit it and then you you know you add another mo moment you're like this is not enough of the movie there needs to be something else so it was kind of that process it was like a real kind of like internal asking like is this the movie and then you just kind of put it in where wherever it feels like correct then we ended up with an hour and a half and then from there it was you add the narration and then once the narration is in there the image starts to like first it was just image and then once the narration is in the image has to or the narrative has to command the image in a way. And I knew that that was like a sort of power shift that needed to happen. And so that was another part of it. But yeah. One of the sequences I found really interesting in the editing was when you're at the ceremonies, when, mm. you're, when you're doing ayahuasca and you have these uh, kind of disparate clips yeah. showing up. And I was really curious before those even popped up. I was like, how is she going to film yeah. this ayahuasca ceremony? <laughs> she's doing it herself. So I'm curious. And so can you talk a little bit about creatively how you decided to depict it that way? Yeah. Um, well, the thing that was funny was that Leia, when she came out of the trips, like for her, it was very clear. She was like, it was like I went through my whole life again. Like I was a baby. You know, she says it in the movie, but also in, that was her real experience was like, I was a baby and I realized everything is fine. And then the second time being like, I was a baby and I realized actually everything is fucked. Right. So it was like, it was very clear clear to her what those were and I mean I mean the thing that's funny is we did ayahuasca six times each and you only see two of her ceremonies and one of mine so it was complicated how we were going to show this but those two seemed like the most important in terms of like explaining a part of her story you know and and um 
and her narrative arc in the movie. And so, well, strangely, out of weird luck, Leia was like, this is super weird. My family just found all this baby footage of me. And I was like, amazing. <laughs> Basically sent it to Carter and he just put this together. That was, and then we, we helped, we again, adjusted again. And that was kind of really all it was. And this moment of like, oh my God, you have this baby footage. And for me, it was like, I just wanted, it became to do the ayahuasca ceremonies. It was like such a question of like, what are these characters actually learning in this moment of like depth, right? Like, and of course, I learned many different lessons in that and so did she but in terms of us as characters in this film right because you can't that's the thing is like there's no this is not the totality of who I am and it's not the totality of who Leia is at all this is just one sliver of us like sort of an avatar of us walking through the world and and knowing that right you think okay this character has done all these things what is the lesson that they're learning kind of as characters and for Leia it was so much about acceptance of her illness and this is the way that ayahuasca really had shown it to her was that yes on one, the one hand you're amazing everything's perfect you're so lucky to be alive this way you're you're no, there's nothing wrong with you and on the other hand there's like a lot of darkness you're not accepting <laughs> and like here is it here it is here is the darkness and for me it was so much about learning to participate actually and learning to stop observing and learning to just let go and be in a moment and be present and so for me, on my journey, what I wanted to show was just me in the movie, actually. Like in all these moments that you don't see me in the movie, this is me in the ayahuasca ceremony. I'm, I'm actually there the whole time, <laughs> it turns out. And so that was kind of how we decided to do it. I mean, it's difficult because actually ayahuasca is done in complete darkness and you're not allowed to talk to anybody and it's like incredibly, that's like the one of the weirdest things you'll ever do in your life. It's impossible to put on camera. I mean, I, yeah, I saw a spider with a hundred arms and like each arm had like 30 faces on it. I was not going to animate this, you know? So it's like, uh, yeah. That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple other like stylistic questions I had. I really liked the title sequences that you had. Mm. I thought that was very cool. And also the score. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you decided on those titles and the score and I know based on the credits I saw you went to specific people for that yes yeah the titles um we were really lucky we had a family friend of Leia's who was just a really talented artist and he is like a bit funky and so he, we had him do the a lot of the titles and then we just worked through them again with the editor also um that was really fun to do but we did those very last minute also so there i don't <laughs> given more time next time probably they would have a little bit more care done in them i'm glad you enjoyed it but did, yeah. yeah um and then the score i was really also really lucky this was another friend who they're english and um i met them and they're brothers and i met them when i was abroad and um they happen to be really talented musicians and we just sent them like a um a spotify playlist basically with all the music that was inspiring to us and they kind of worked through it I, a lot of the music is also just um other people's music so one of like there's a couple mexican songs in there or spanish songs in there that are from a mexican band who are friends with two of the people that, that we met toto and chris who are like the chocolatier and the artist yeah they were friends with them and we just heard the music. We were like freaking out. Like, this is perfect for this movie. And so, yeah, that was really lucky. But yeah, and then they just built the score. And also talking about music is really difficult to try and edit someone's music when you're not a musician is very hard. And you're kind of just like, it needs to be more fun. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but um, it's a language you have to learn with your composer, I think. And being a film, com like a film composer is really 
a difficult job, I think, because you are so in service of the movie all the time. It's really not about anything other than the movie at all times. And so as a director, all that I'm trying to do basically, and for the whole movie as a director, really, I didn't really have a good sense of what a director was even supposed to be doing. And sometimes I'm looking at, I don't know what the hell I did on this movie, honestly. Sometimes I have no idea. But it's really just to have a, it's like have a clarity and focus of vision is what really a director is to me across all of the different aspects of film, right? So you have from the shooting to the editing to the, to the way the color, to the color correction, to the sound, to everything, making sure it's part of one vision and one, mm-hmm. one idea. And so when you're dealing with, with, composing it's really a difficult game to try and figure out how do I make sure this is part of the vision of the film while at the same time this is like a language and an art form that I'm not proficient in you know and so you end up talking in a lot of colors or like just a lot of whatever way you can communicate feeling via sound um but yeah it was cool wow but yeah it's it's easy to overlook just how much a director has to do it's not just you know, being behind the camera, directing the camera. There's all these other processes before and after the filming that I think it's it's easy to forget about until you actually have to do it. Yeah. 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 So how do you know, as you're managing all these different processes, how do you know, okay, we're done. Like the movie's done. Yeah. We're ready to part with this. Um, Kind of when you can't endure it anymore. You know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we were, we had a really intense timeline because she, we were both moving basically. We knew in August. So it was kind of like, it had to basically be done by August. But also, I mean, there comes a point, I had a professor told me, tell me this one time that it's like, um, a moment of diminishing returns. So it's like, you get to a point where you're just doing more and more work or the same amount of work on something. And the improvement that you're seeing starts getting less and less every, every time. So this was kind of, how it felt right at each stage so you end editing it's like when suddenly you're editing now it's not really making a huge difference anymore you're just picking mm-hmm. and you, you you notice it now you're just picking right. and then the same thing with each stage it's like now i'm just kind of being uh, repetitive and sure. i'm kind of going back on myself and you start to get confused it's like right at that point where i'm like now i can't there's nothing else i can do about this you sure. know but it was also a very rushed process so I think like it would have been nice to have another like two three months just to really do this with more calm I think but um yeah I mean to be honest like I will uh, anything I write anything I do I will edit to the end of the world like every month I look at it you know there'll be a new thing that I feel like needs to change so it's kind of just a bit arbitrary Right. right like it's a bit arbitrary and it's kind of you know it's kind of fun like that sure so it goes you know before we get into our fun questions, sure. at the end, you you mentioned that you got some clarity after the ceremonies that you realized among the different pieces of clarity you got. You mentioned that you wanted to leave L.A. You knew you had to get outside of your hometown for a bit. Sure. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because I moved to New York, which is not really totally different, you know, but I think it was... What I meant by that, I think, and which is like more of a life, uh, more a life aspiration than necessarily one that I'm supposed to be doing in the next year of my life or something. It was more like understanding, like a deep understanding that the world is so much bigger than what you perceive it to be all the time and where, you know, where you're from. And I think I've, I've always had a sense of that because um just like how I'm naturally wired in a lot of ways I really am always very curious about other things but it was like the concept 
that I was going to stay in LA, which to me was symbolically a lot of like walking a path that was like very familiar or very easy things that I, I mean, I said when I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. And I think I had really internalized my parents' wishes for me in a really intense way. You know, since I was very young, I was always very, um, like the good girl, like did everything correctly, like very, you know, perfect in a lot of ways. And I think that by doing this, I was really violating like a law, like a big, um, a boundary, like a boundary of, of decorum or decency or politeness or like what's good for a young woman to be doing is not to like film yourself vomiting and doing psychedelic drugs in the Amazon. You know, it was not on the cards for a Persian Jewish girl from Beverly Hills. You know, it really is not. And I think that by doing that and finding so much glory and kind of holiness in it, I was like, this is life life changing, really. Like, I'm not going to live my life the same way. I know now, right, that there are there is beauty like beyond where I'm from. Of course, there's beauty where I'm from, too. But it's kind of like there's so much to see and so much to explore. And I'm endlessly fascinated by everything. I think I needed to go to New York for a while just to kind of educate myself again again maybe I didn't need to do that but I felt I did you know I wanted to be I don't know I don't know it worked I guess I'm learning but it's kind of um yeah I wanted to get a more intense education and so that's what I'm doing but I think when I graduate which is in August or in May I kind of am just gonna it's a bit of a commitment to living a life in a sort of flowing way that isn't necessarily set anywhere really for a while I'm you know maybe I move to Europe maybe I move to Mexico maybe I move to I don't know, wherever my work takes me kind of and like wherever I can make someone pay for me to go, you know. And I think that that's like a life attitude, right? Like a very different one, like of non-attachment that I wasn't used to. And so that was kind of what I meant. Well, that was both heavy and very fun. Yeah, (laughs) The vibe I hope to give. (laughs) Um, So we'll transition now just to some fun questions before we sign off. Oh, God. uh (laughs) So if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? I think the ability to learn languages like very quickly. Yeah. I'd love to be able to be fluent in many other languages very quickly. Yeah. What is something you can't travel without? I really should have thought of these in advance. Um, something I can't travel without. Headphones. Big time headphones, yeah. actually. Yeah. Where is the most beautiful place you've ever been? <laughs> or that just comes to mind. Yeah. If that's too tricky. The one that I always talk about is at the end, at the end of the movie, there's a moment where uh we're in Colombia and although you don't even know that I think when you watch it but we're in Colombia and uh always when I was thinking of the movie and I would say this to Leia it's like I see this weird sand dune like I just am always seeing this sand dune and I feel like I'm following you up a sand dune I don't really know and then we get to the last day we're filming anything of the movie and literally it's a giant sand dune at seemingly the end of the world it's the northernmost point of South America it's called Punta Gallinas there's nothing there you sleep in hammocks it's like very they killed a goat in front of us that's what we ate it was very it was very, very fun and very crazy. It feels like you're actually at the end of the world and then you go up a sand dune and then it's the ocean and it's like completely untouched and one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So it's awesome. Yeah. What's the silliest fear you have? Getting into cold water. I'm terrible, terrible at it. Terrible <laughs> at it. <laughs> Don't like it. Don't like being cold. <laughs> Fair enough. And then we always ask our guests, what's your jam? Because we're going to put together a Spotify playlist. All the recommendations. My jam is Suzanne by Nina Simone. Cool. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. And where can people uh, follow you if they care to? Yeah. Yeah. You can follow me on, I guess, Instagram is the best way to do it. And it's at Camille Shush. 
I, I guess that will be yeah. cool how do you spell that yeah uh c-a-m-i-l-l-e-s-h-o-o-s-h and the movie is called leia and i you can watch it on netflix and if you want to follow the pod you can do that at hdyd pod thank you so much camille yeah thank Appreciate you it. mm-hmm